Um, we're starting a new series today called Essentials, um, Key Scriptures for Life. And we picked these uh, Bear grills type things um, because we uh, wanted to talk about really the Bible, I think, is, is essential for us to live as believers. The Bible it has capacity, uh, and you know, very often these things are, the Bible is a two-edged sword that cuts through our life. The Bible is, is living and water that washes our soul. The Bible is something that gives lamp and direction to our lives. And so we're, we're just trying to kind of focus you on the fact that actually the scriptures are going to be primary in shaping your life as believers. And uh, you know, one of my big... Um, concerns today as a pastor is that uh, more and more people, or less and less people, shall I say, are, are really knowledgeable about the scriptures, uh, that really are able to quote the verses that actually matter when it matters, that our Bible knowledge is scant. And so for the next, um, well, period, however it is, uh, I have a plan in my head of how long I'm going to preach this, but um, we just want to kind of present you some of what we would call key scriptures, essential verses for you to know and understand. And uh, uh, sometimes we might even ask you to memorize them, do you know what I mean, um, and do a test the following week just to really embarrass people. Um, uh, no, we're not, I'm joking. Um, but uh, I think uh, it, it's just an important thing because the truth is um, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing the word. So there's a connection between the word and faith. And the truth is, if you don't know the word, then very often your faith lacks. If you don't know what God says, then very often your ability to know what God is saying to you and working out in your life lacks. And so we're just kind of working through this whole kind of series. And so I want to start today with one of, uh, our, 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 you know, one of these great verses of the Bible. It's found in the book of Micah. Micah, that's an Old Testament prophet, for those of you who've got that dusty first section of your Bible. Um, uh, Micah 6, verse 8. And it says this. It'll come up on the screen, I, I guess, sooner or later. He has shown you, a mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What an amazing verse. He has shown you a model what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You know, I get lots of people saying to me, I don't really know what God wants me to do. Here it is, folks. I'm not really sure what direction God wants my life to take. Here it is. He wants you to act justly. He wants you to love mercy, and he wants you to walk humbly with him. If you do that, then actually the direction of your life will be okay. If you do that, then the decisions that you make will be guided by the Holy Spirit and by his word. If you do that, then actually, as you walk with him, you'll discover the life that he has for you. And I want us to look at this little verse. Um, And it's a well-known verse, and some of you will have known it for years. Um, But I want us uh, just to recognize that um, this verse uh, brings upon us the the call of God, the restraint of God, if you like. Because it says, what does God require of you? You know, very often we require a lot of God, but we don't think about what God requires of us. But God requires something of us as his people. And uh, the prophet then brings this word to Israel. What does he require of you? He requires three things. Firstly, he requires that we act justly. And I want to suggest that that's really to do with how we behave for ourselves, in ourselves. How we behave as we are. What, what is it that makes up our life? It's to do with the inward workings of our heart and of our mind, that we would act justly. And I want to unpack that a bit. Secondly, he says that we should love mercy. And I think that's to do with how we behave towards other people, how we treat those around us, how, how we relate to others, how we exercise the grace and mercy of God that we have received. And then thirdly, he says to walk humbly. And I think that's to do with how we behave with God. 
how our relationship with God works, how we walk with him and how we learn from him. I want to try and unpack a little bit of that this morning to us and just try and get hold of what this verse is saying to us as we live. Firstly, it's about acting justly. How we behave just for ourselves. I read a great title of a book once. It was called, Who Are You When No One Is Looking? In other words, who we are when no one is looking is who we really are. Who we are when no one is saying anything or commenting or, 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 or being able to judge us and guide us is who we really are. Another way is, of saying is, what would we do if we could get away with it? And that's a humbling thing. That's a, that's a sobering thought. And so God comes and says, what do I require of, of my people? What do I require of all people, really? I require that they act justly. I require that in their hearts and in their character, they behave in a way that is thinking about who they are and what they are living out in life. Justly is defined as fairly, reasonably, honestly, truthfully. And God, when he calls his people, he calls them first to deal with their own character and then to let that character guide their actions. That's why it's act justly. The actions have to come out of who we are. The Bible says, doesn't it, that um, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, and sometimes what you find is that the nicest people can say the baddest things. Because you can look good, but inside you're still carrying something that's not good. Anybody, any of you been caught out? You know, it kind of, somebody goes, oh, I'm so shocked. Because you, it just came out of you, because it was in you. It was there, and it was simmering away. And, and somebody just pressed the wrong button one day, and bah, out it came. That's because we, we're not taking ca- issue with the character that we're forming in our lives. We're not dealing with that. And God says, I want you to act justly. I want you to think about it. Now, I know many of you are going to go, act justly. Yeah, tick. I can do that. I've got that in my life. Act justly. That's who I'm going to be. That's what I'm going to do. But I, I want you to think about it a little bit more than that. I, want you to, I think it's worth stopping and thinking about these two words. To act justly is to hold ourselves to account for our actions and behavior. It's to say, you know what, I won't do that because I don't believe in it. It's not to hold other people to account, it's to hold ourselves to account. That's the big difference. And God wants people who will say, you know what, I'll, I'll hold myself to account, I'll judge myself. To act justly affects how we deal with other people. It affects how we pay our bills. It affects how we claim our expenses. It affects how we deal with those who are less fortunate than us or with those who are more fortunate than us. It, it affects our actions and our behavior. It's how we decide what is important in life. It's how we treat the people around us. Acting justly comes out of who we are. And being just is important to God. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 32, He is the rock, His works are perfect, and all His ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. See, I think we need to hear that sometimes. Because, you know, sometimes we get in our behavior and we find ourselves in circumstances. And we kind, of, we kind of say to God, God, why have you done this to me? As if God's being vindictive. We need to remember that God is just and perfect and that he does good works. So he's not vindictive to us. He, he's not reacting like we do. He hasn't have a bad day and say, right, I'm going to teach them a lesson, those miserable beggars. It's not in him. 
And so he acts in our behalf and for our behalf with kindness and justice, with truth and honesty in every situation. And that changes how we can think about him and what we receive from him. him. Acting justly is about having integrity in our lives just for us. So that we know that we've acted in the right way. So that we know we've done the right thing. See, other people don't have to know about your integrity. You do. Other people don't have to be able to pat you on the back and say, great job. You have to be able to say, I know I did the best that I could. I know that I did what God had told me to do. I know I did what I believe in. Integrity is about acting in accordance with our beliefs and our conscience and saying, I will not compromise them just because it's convenient. I will not do something that suits me because it's convenient, even though I don't like the results. Or it's, I won't take a shortcut just because that will get me the results I want more quickly. It's about doing the right thing. It's about being just in our lives. See, integrity is a quality that we admire in people, but we have to be quick to make sure that we have integrity. Because very often we expect integrity in others, but we're willing to compromise our own integrity for short-term gain. We're willing to cheat to get ahead. We're willing to put others down to be seen to be better. It's an integrity issue. It's about acting justly. And here's the deal. God wants us to act justly because that's who he is. Not a lot of amens in the house this morning. (laughs) See, integrity is a big issue, isn't it? Acting justly. See, our world favors people who do anything to get ahead. God favors people who will do anything to be just. He'll say, actually, I, I won't take the easy route because actually that's not what God's called me to be and to do. I'll actually honor him instead of just getting ahead. Believing that actually honoring God is the best path for all of our lives. That actually it leads to life. That it brings God's purposes in our lives and situations. Proverbs says this, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. It's important to remember in a world where honesty is undervalued that being just and fair is the right way to live before God and before people. And it's the right way just for you. You see, there will always be temptations to take the easy route. See, there are temptations in our world to act without integrity, to take loans that you cannot pay back. That's an integrity issue. It's an acting justly issue. It's about being able to say, well, you know what? I can't afford that, so I'll wait. Isn't that a radical idea? But it seems as if our world won't live in that world because it can get there. And so we have this whole issue for us. How will I act? How will I decide what is righteous? Proverbs says this in in Proverbs 1, right at the beginning. The proverb of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior and doing what is right and just and fair. I'm telling you, church, that's a reason for you to read Proverbs today. 
because it's giving you wisdom and insight. It's teaching you how to make decisions that will guide your life and will build your life and will enlarge your life and give you extra capacity. And when we ignore those instructions, what happens is our world and our life diminishes. It doesn't increase. Because what we decide is we will act unjustly in situations that suit us. And my, another great verse from the Bible, which my mother used to quote to me, is, Be sure your sin will find you out. Sin has a way of coming back. And when you cheat, friends, I tell you what, you might get away with it for a little while, but it'll come back. It'll come back. And it will find you out and you'll pay the price for it. It's amazing to me how easily we can be tempted to do what isn't just. Or is it just me? How we can be tempted to just look better than we really are. To, to, to sound as if we've done something that we haven't. To make, get the credit while somebody else has done the work. Friends, it happens in a million ways in our lives. How we look to try and get out of paying bills that we know we owe. Simply because we can. Rather than saying, actually, my integrity will not let me do this. And God comes to us and he says, you know what? If you're not at peace with yourself, you'll never be at peace with the world. See, that's true, friends. You know, many of us know that. Many of us experience that. If you're not at peace with yourself, then actually you're not at peace with anybody because whatever happens is never enough. Have you noticed with some people, no matter what happens, they're not happy? And you know that it is because deep inside, they've forgotten to act justly. They've started cheating. Maybe on their partner, maybe in their life, maybe on their tax returns, maybe in something. They're trying to cover up. They have an entitlement mentality. I deserve this. And it comes out of a sense of uh, perverseness and not honestly acting justly. And saying, actually, I know that I need to make a contribution. Friends, it affects every hour of our life. This isn't just a little spiritual talk today about nice being nice Christians. This is about everything we do. Because I'm telling you this week, you're... Your integrity will be challenged this week where you live and where you work and where you socialize. And you've got to actually say, you know what? I know the Lord requires of me that I act justly. So I need to hold that up as a plumb line in my life for what God wants me to be and to do. Great proverb, 21 verse 3. I'm giving you lots of verses you should remember today. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. What an amazing verse. You see, what that means to us is that it's easy sometimes to be in church and to worship. You can have all the CDs on you like at home and praise the Lord and all of that. But actually, when you decide that you will not do what is right and just, you've just displeased God. You've just broken that relationship with the Lord. You've stepped out of his blessing because you said, well, actually, I'm going to sing. That's fine. See, it's easy to sing, friends, but it's hard to do the right thing. It's, it's easy to sing, but it's hard, it's hard to act appropriately when you're stretched. It's easy to sing, but it's hard to give what you know you should give when you're feeling, oh, I haven't got so much money. Integrity issue right there. Acting justly. See, we want to fob all these things off and say it doesn't really matter. It's not really important. And, you know, God's not bothered about that. But actually, God's, God's bothered about us acting justly in our lives. And as we do that, then it becomes a basis for everything else because we're at peace with ourselves. Secondly, we've got to love mercy. What an amazing verse. Act justly, love mercy. God wants us to think about how we behave towards other people. 
How we behave towards those around us is very important to God because that's an example that he sets. Luke chapter 6 says this, But love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you'll be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. I, I think this is an incredible verse. What Jesus says is, listen, you're most like your heavenly father when you've learned to be merciful to other people. When you're kind to people who can't pay you back or who are so ungrateful they don't want to pay you back. Because that's what God's like. And you just have to think about your relationship with God to know that's true, don't you? (laughs) Sometimes we're ungrateful, aren't we? Sometimes we're like, God, 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 and he's kind to us. Sometimes I think, if I was God, I'd wipe everybody out and start again, wouldn't you? And so we've got to hang on to that kind of sense of what God is saying to us. He loves mercy. Mercy and grace are the most amazing aspects of what it means to know God. But mercy is having compassion on people who have done wrong to you, who've, who've messed up, who've offended you, who've done the wrong thing. You've got to say to them, hey, it's okay. And I love the fact that it says love mercy. It doesn't say be merciful. It says love mercy. He says, recognize that mercy is this quality that you have to give in life. You have to passionately develop it so that it overflows out of your life into the lives of people around you. That there's a sense of it. That's tough, isn't it? Not that we should just be merciful to people who've hurt us, but we should love it. That we should be passionate about it. That should be a gift to us. I'm giving you this mercy. It's something I love to do because I've received mercy. See, the Bible says those who have received much can uh, can be generous with much. When you've received grace and mercy into your life, then you're able to love others and to give it. When you've forgotten what God's done in you, then you become a bit more stingy and a bit more asking people what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. It says, love mercy. The disciples thought this was a bit tough. Jesus said to them, they were talking to Jesus and they said to them, oh, you know, how often shall I forgive someone who offends me? Shall I forgive them seven times? Thinking, what an outlandish number, seven times. And Jesus said this to them, he said, even if they sin against you seven times in one day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. (laughs) Hello, does anybody else think that's a bit of a scary number? He said, even if they come back and do the same thing again and again, in even one day, you should forgive them. You know what the disciples said? They said, Lord, increase my faith. In other words, they said, you've got to be kidding, Jesus. We can't do that. I can perhaps forgive them two times, and after that, i am just had enough of them. But Jesus was saying, no, I want you to love mercy. I want mercy to be this characteristic that's strong in your life. I want it to be part of who you are. I I want it to flow through your life so that you treat people around you differently. See, mercy is something that we will all need at times from the Lord and from those who fill our world. Our husband or our wife. We need mercy from them, don't we? Our children. Our parents. We need mercy from them. Our friends, our church, our work colleagues, we all need mercy from them. I love this quote from The Merchant of Venice. It's about the only Shakespeare I know, really, but it's great. The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesseth him that gives and him that takes. Tis mightiest in the mightiest, It becomes the throne monarch better than his crown. His scepter shows the force of temporal power, the attribute to awe and majesty, wherein doth sit the dread and fear of kings. But mercy is above this sceptered sway. 
It is enthroned in the hearts of kings. It is an attribute to God himself. It says even Shakespeare recognized mercy is the heart of God to people. And, and you know, the scripture comes and the prophet speaks and he says, I'm looking, God's looking for a person who will love mercy. And mercy is a quality that, I don't know about you, but we're quick to ask for, but sometimes slow to give. See, it's easier to ask someone to be sorry for you, to you, than it is for you to generously give mercy to them without being asked. Have you ever noticed? Have you noticed the fight that goes in between you sometimes? Jesus told the parable, didn't he, of the unmerciful servant. Uh, a man who had been uh, brought before his king with a huge debt and who begged mercy and said, please have mercy on me, I cannot pay this debt. And the king relented and had mercy on him and said, please, your debt is cancelled, you're free. And out he went. And as he went out, he saw another guy who owed him a few pounds and he grabbed him and said, where's my money? And you know, there's something in all of us that's a bit like that. You know, we're scandalized by it, but actually there's something in all of us that's a bit like that. We can ask God to forgive us all kinds of things, and then somebody says the wrong thing to us, and we will not forgive them. The Bible says, love mercy. Look for those who are going to hurt you. Pour it out upon them. Love them with the mercy and the grace of God who gives life to people. Speak and act, James says, as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Wow, what a verse. That's why people don't like James because he says it just as it is. He says, listen, we need to be merciful. Love mercy. You know, I, I guess, you know, just sitting here today as I was preparing this message, there be some of us here today who are struggling with being merciful. We're struggling with letting people off the hurt they've caused us, the wounds that we've suffered, the pain that we've been through. And like Shylock and Merchant of Venice, we want them to suffer. We want them to earn back our mercy. But friends, mercy is not earned, it's given. It's a gift. And it blesses both them and you as you learn to be merciful to those who have hurt you. And then finally, we're called to walk humbly. And this is about how we behave with the Lord. I love this little verse because it tells me two things about our relationship with God. Firstly, it tells me that our relationship is meant to be a movement. It's meant to be a journey. It's meant to be walking with him. You see, Jesus hasn't just called us to believe in him and to be done with it. He's called us to walk with him. He's called us to experience a journey of faith, a journey into life, as one person put it, that we would just discover and learn and and keep going and keep experiencing. That's why so often Jesus talks about, if anyone would come after me, he doesn't just say, let them believe in me. He says, let them follow me. He says, let them move with me. Let them discover something about what I have for them. Let them enter into the life that I have for them because I want them to take hold of it. That's why the psalmist says, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. He says, listen, if I understand something more about you, then I'm going to walk it out. You see, when we stop walking it out, friends, we stagnate in the faith. When we stop hearing and obeying and following, we stagnate. And so we end up with a lot of beliefs, but not much practice, but not much movement, 
God wants movement in the church. God wants movement in your life. He wants you to be pursuing him. He wants you to saying, yes, Lord, what is it you're asking me to do? Lord, what can I take up? What can I follow? What, how, how can I learn from you? How can I, what can I enter into today? See, God is always leading us into something. Hello? Oh, you're excited this morning, aren't you? God is always leading us into something. He leads us by quiet waters. He, he takes us to uh, green pastures. He restores our soul. He leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. He leads us to a table in front of our enemies and restores our soul. He leads us on and he anoints us with oil so that we would come out. He's always wanting to lead us into something. And, and the issue for us is, are we willing to move with him? See, very often I think what we do is we draw a little circle around our lives and we say, please God, come to where I am. Come to me, God. Come and fix me. Come and do everything in my life. Come and work it out. And Jesus says, no, you follow me. See, the rich man came to him and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, you've got to follow the commandments. He said, I've done all of that. I've done all of that. Surely I must have eternal life. And Jesus said to him, no, you, you need to deal with the money issue in your life. Sell all you have and follow me. And he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't move from his circle. And so often what happens with us is we hear, the Lord comes and says, what does the Lord require of you? He requires movement. He requires you to say, well, actually, yes, Lord, I'm following you. Yes, Lord. And I'm not talking about moving away from your home and all of that. For some people that might happen, but for you, I'm talking about movement in your life. I'm talking about you listening to the Lord. What do I do this week, Lord? As I go into my workplace, what what do you want me to be? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? Is there something you want me to follow you in? So it becomes active, it becomes effective. I love that idea of journeying with God. Because you see, life is too intense. You see, if it's all about experiences, friends, it's too intense. We can't keep it up. I don't know about you, but when we were singing that last song, Praise the Lord of My Soul, my spirit gets excited. I don't know about you, but I start to bubble over. I want to start screaming and jumping and yahooing and praying for everybody and letting the spirit. I love all that, you know. But truthfully, we can't do that 24-7, friends. But we can follow. We can follow. We can't say, Lord, where is it you're leading me this month, this year? Lord, what is the direction of my life? What is it you're asking me to do? How can I take that? What is the step of faith? You see, if we stop moving, we stop taking steps of faith. We stop believing God for anything. It's all about just what we have. I believe in God, but what am I believing God for? I'm taking hold of his word in my life. Blessed are those who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. I use that verse probably every month when I preach because it's just one of my favorite verses. Because friends, that's what Christianity is about. I've set my heart on pilgrimage. I'm following Jesus till I die. And sometimes it's a great walk and sometimes it's a hard walk and sometimes it's a disastrous walk and sometimes it's fun. But I'm still going to do it. Because I'm following him. I'm walking with him. Walking with him. And then he calls us to walk humbly. To walk humbly. I just want you to think about that for a moment and then we're going to close. Bible says he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. You see, humility is about being willing to learn that God is right and that you're not. That God's way is best and that yours isn't. It takes humility to admit that you're lost. It takes humility to admit that you're out of your depth. It takes humility to say, you know what, Lord? I've been doing this wrong and I need to come back and start doing it right. And so if we're going to walk with God, we've got to walk humbly with him. We've got to walk aware of who he is and aware of who we are and asking him to lead us into life. 
I really felt when I was preparing this message to say to you, some of you here are lost this morning because of pride. You're lost because you will not admit that you find yourself in a place that you cannot resolve or or resource and that you're away from really the plan of God for your life and it's because you're too proud to say, God, I'm lost. I wouldn't normally say something quite that direct and strong, but I just felt it as I was preparing in my spirit, just in the office. I just thought, you know what, Lord, it's true. See, pride stops us from being humble before God. The Bible says that arrogance is like idolatry. It's a very strong word. It says, you know what, when we trust in ourselves more than we trust in God, it leads us away from life. That's why Jesus comes and says, walk humbly. Walk humbly with me. Walk humbly with your God. Recognize who he is, what he's done. Recognize that he's God. My mum used to learn this verse when I was a little kid. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. We all know that's true, don't we? People who elevate themselves only to make a big mess of it and look stupid. We've all been that person at times. And God comes and says, you know what? If you're going to walk with me, I need you to deal with the pride that's in your life. I need you to be willing to admit to yourself and maybe even sometimes to other people, hey, what? Well, you know what? I was lost. I don't know about you, but um, before the days of sat-nav and uh, iPhones and you know, Google Maps, um, if we were lost, um, Julia would say, why don't we just ask that person? I'd go, no, I can find my way. And she would just smile and look at me. And after about another 20 minutes, say, pull over now. Okay, love. Because it takes pride. It takes humility to say, yeah, we're lost. I thought I knew where I was going, but actually I have no idea. Please help me. See, it's the same with God. Sometimes we just have to say, God, I'm lost. I'll humble myself before you. I want to walk with you, but I realize I can't walk proudly. See, you can't walk proudly with God. You have to humble yourself. You have to say, actually, this isn't about me. This is about who you are. Proverbs 22 verse 4 says this, Humility is the fear of the Lord, and its wages are riches and honor and life. What an amazing verse. Humility is the fear of the Lord, and its, riches, its wages are riches and honor and life. So I want to leave you with this little verse this morning. What does the Lord require of you but to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God? Let's just pray for a moment. I just want to talk into these three things just before we close. Are you at peace with yourself? Are you acting justly? Are you breaking the rules and it's costing you in your integrity and in your character and you've been overlooking it because it seems to be easy. It seems to be a way that you can get ahead without, without really paying the price. You're cheating yourself. God comes and says, I need you to act justly. I want you to develop integrity in your life. I want you to live at peace with yourself so that you can overflow in life with others. Maybe this morning you just need to really think 
about a situation, or even if I've been speaking, something's just crept into your mind. That's the Holy Spirit just saying to you, you know what? You need to deal with that. I don't need to know it, friends, but you need to know it. We need to act justly. We mustn't try and convince ourselves that it doesn't matter to God or to us or to other people. It does. We need to say, yes, Lord, I'll act justly in that. Just for my own sake, Lord, not for anybody else's, but because I need to be right. I need to be right with you. I need to be honest. I think there are some of us here today who need to respond to that word. I'm going to act justly. And then we need to love mercy. How do you behave towards others? Mercy triumphs over judgment. God has called us to be people who demonstrate mercy in our lives. Who are merciful to people who've hurt us. See, when you've decided you can be just, then you can extend mercy to others who have hurt you. You know, and even before we close our service today, I think for some of you here today, this is just an issue. And you need to hear the word of the Lord. I want you to love mercy. I want you to love the mercy you've received from me and I want you to give that mercy to other people because it blesses both you and those who receive it and it frees them to live. God wants you to live at peace with other people. And then God wants you to live at peace with him, to walk humbly. How do you behave towards the Lord? Are you ready to move with him? Are you looking to extend your faith and learn from him and walk with him? Are you ready to keep in step with the Spirit as he leads you? And maybe even today there are some here and you're lost. You need to admit it. You need to deal maybe with that pride of saying, well, I'm just okay and my life's all right. But to walk humbly with God, you have to say, you know what, Lord, I know I'm not right. Maybe just before we close our service today, before we get on with the rest of what we have to do this day, I want to just give an opportunity. Maybe you're here today, you're not a follower of Jesus. God's called you to walk humbly with him. And so even just as our heads are bowed, is there anybody in the church this morning and you're saying, Dave, I'm lost. I need to get right with God today. If that's you, just as we're sitting here, do you just want to slip your hand up and let me see it? I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. You put your hands down. Thank you. We're just uh, clinging to God. We're just coming to receive him. We're coming to say, Lord, without you, I, I can't walk, Lord. So I come and bow before you, Lord, and I acknowledge, Lord, that I need you. I wonder would you all stand with me as we come to the close of our service. I just want us to pray over these things. You know, after the service this morning, if you want to talk about something, one of these issues that I've highlighted or the word has brought, I'd be willing, willing to do that, pray with you. If you've got need you'd like us to pray for, we'd love to do that. But uh, I just want you to think about this little verse. He has shown you a mortal. What is good and what does the Lord require of you? That you would act justly and that you would love mercy and that you would walk humbly with your God. And so, Father, I pray for your word this morning, Lord, as we've tried to declare it, Lord, very straightforwardly, Lord, just as it is. 
Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you've called us, Lord, to live at peace with ourselves, Lord, and to act justly. I pray you'd speak to us, each one of us, Lord, when we, Lord, attempted to, uh, Lord, take the shortcut, Father, and, and to, Lord, to cheat or to be dishonest, Father, or to belie, Father. Lord, help us to have, Lord, that desire to be at peace with ourselves. And, Lord, to stick to your word. I pray you give us merciful hearts, Lord. Lord, that love mercy, Father. That are quick to embrace mercy that you give to us. And that are quick to dispense mercy to those who need it, Lord. Lord, teach us to be like you. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to walk humbly with you. Lord, I pray for some of us, Lord, who, Lord, get proud at times and are afraid, Lord, or, or Lord, unconcerned and unwilling, Lord, to bend the knee, Lord, to you. I pray you'd teach us, Lord, in patience and in grace, Lord, to... Walk humbly with you. Lord, enter into the life that is truly life. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you for one another. And uh, Lord, as we go into a busy week, we pray that you go with us and that by your spirit, you'd use us, Lord, uh, to spread your love and your joy, Lord, in, in our city. In Jesus' name, amen.